Greetings and hello. I'm back with you today to discuss the discography and rank the albums of one of my all-time favorite bands. Um, if you know me personally, you will know that I've raved about this band nonstop since I finally, better late than never, got into them um, a little over a year ago now. I had a hardcore phase with this band in 2021, um, and I believe they were my most streamed artist, according to uh, the Spotify Wrapped um, that I talked about a while ago. Um, of course, I'm talking about the legendary alt-rock band, Ween. Um, if you don't know who Ween is, it is definitely difficult to describe what they are exactly. Um, but I'm going to just read the first uh, paragraph from the Wikipedia article. You know, the end-all be-all of all information, of course. Um, I'm just going to read this first paragraph just to give you a general idea of what the band is. Ween is an American rock band from New Hope, Pennsylvania, formed in 1984 by Aaron Freeman and Mickey Melchiondo. Better known by their respective stage names, Gene and Dean Ween, who, uh, those are the names that you'll hear me refer to them as throughout this, uh, episode, of course, um, Generally categorized as an alternative rock band, the band are known for their irreverent, highly eclectic catalog of songs inspired by funk, soul, country, gospel, prog, psychedelia, R&B, heavy metal, punk rock, and countless more. And yeah, to me, that doesn't even scratch the surface. They've tried so many things out over their career. I think they've done a great job at paying tribute to all kinds of different music and like a lot of their music is comedic and kind of tongue-in-cheek but it's also genuine because you can tell they actually really enjoy the music that they're kind of making fun of like it, it's making fun of things in like a really loving way and there are also a lot of moments where they're just trying to write like genuine songs and that really shines through, and it, that's why they're one of my all-time favorite bands. I, I love Ween so much, and um, would definitely put them in probably my top 10 bands of all time at this point. Um, so yeah, I've been really excited to do this episode. Already knew most of the albums going into this. Uh, some of the early, super lo-fi home recording stuff I wasn't too familiar with, Um but like everything from Chocolate and Cheese in 1994 up to Quebec in 2003, I knew all of that stuff like the back of my hand. Um, and a lot of those albums are some of my favorite albums of all time. And I think they have at least four or five just straight up perfect albums, which we'll get into my rankings. And um, yeah, starting from the bottom... At number 10, we've got The Pod from 1991. This album is uh, definitely something. You could even say that it has music on it, and you would be right in saying that. Here, we're basically still following that formula of the first album of 
some loose home recordings that sound like they were spontaneous ideas conceived and recorded nearly on the spot. Um, and while this album is here at the bottom, I do still see the value in it. And I think it was necess a necessary step in two ways. Um, one being that it's one step closer to the band getting all of these insane impulses out of their system. And two, it lays the groundwork just like the first of a lot of their inside jokes and just bizarre otherworldly humor. Um, and another thing, I, I love that the album cover is kind of an obvious nod to that one Leonard Cohen greatest hits album, um, but just obviously way more disturbing and funny. Um, getting into some of the songs on here, I'm not going to talk about all of them because there's just way too many to cover. Um, but when I get into the higher ranking albums, I'll talk about just about every song on those records. Um, a few songs I want to mention, though, for the pod. Strap on that jammy pack, which is the opener, has this uh, like reverby, drowned out instrumental with like these drum crashes repeatedly blaring and the boys doing these bizarre country accents while singing Strap on that jammy pack. Not exactly sure what that means, but it's fun to listen to. You can tell that they were having a lot of fun. Uh, another song, Frank. Uh, definitely the weirdest thing that has ever gotten stuck in my head is Frank, give me a pork roll, egg, and cheese, if you please, with some gravy fries. Um, but I'm not complaining at all. I, I love that song, and I, I love the fucking weird-ass lyrics on it. Captain Fantasy has these like sneering vocals that kind of remind me of Rush and no offense to Rush at all I, I love them um, but yeah it's just this lo-fi guitar heavy rocker with all of the dramatic elements of some kind of like 80s arena rock it's also the first instance of this like fantasy thing um, Sketches of Winkle also has a bit of a Rush vibe but if they were bordering on like becoming a punk rock group, like if there was a cross between um, Rush and some punk rock band um, from the late 70s, early 80s. Oh My Dear, Falling in Love is a very pleasant acoustic guitar and duo vocals track that honestly does not sound like it belongs on this album at all. But I mean, hey, that's the spirit of Ween and it's my favorite track on this wild ride of an album for sure. Um, I think this track is actually like the first example of the guys being able to write some really pretty tunes. Um, and of course, we'll see more of that later on. Um, like I said, they write some really beautiful music here and there that's like not even tongue in cheek. Like it's just straight up like genuine and, and gorgeous in every way. Um, but yeah... For the pod, uh, being at number 10, I'm going to go with a very light 3 out of 5 for this album. Um, I don't want to give it a 2.5 or lower because that's like the territory of me not liking an album. And I definitely don't dislike this one. It's just right in the middle for me. Um, and I don't know if I'll go back to it often, but when it's on, I don't really mind it. And I feel like maybe I'll be able to pick out more songs and all of the madness of this album, but 
I, I'm going to stick with it at the bottom for now. Um, and I mean, if this is their worst album, then I feel like they've got to be a great band, and they definitely are. Alrighty, and number nine, we have Pure Guava from 1992. Um, this record, I feel, is kind of a step back to the positive direction after the pod because um, it came out a year later but honestly it still doesn't do a whole lot for me and if anybody does listen to this that's like a hardcore ween fan and loves that early lo-fi stuff um, I'm probably going to get a whole lot of shit for putting these early albums so low and maybe for something else later on that I'm not going to spoil but Hey, I don't dislike these albums at all. I, I do enjoy them, um, but they just don't do as much for me as a lot of the later albums do. Um, but yeah, Pure Guava. This one honestly sounds a lot like the album cover feels to me. Sort of grainy and of course lo-fi, which I keep saying. And uh, yeah, but also kind of bright and colorful at the same time. Uh some highlights include Little Birdie, which is as floaty and, and pleasant as you would expect a song called Little Birdie to be. Tender Situation, which is a bizarre tune that uh, almost sounds like candy to the ears. And uh, I don't know, it has these creepy, whispery vocals that I kind of like. And of course, we've got to mention Push the Little Daisy. Yeah, Push the Little Daisies which is uh, famously their first quote-unquote hit. Um, emphasis on that quotation, because um, it still wasn't huge, but it was big enough to get them a good deal of attention with a great music video that perfectly encapsulates the uh, silly nature of the band, um, just the goofy, like, slacker vibe that they had. Um and it was also featured on an episode of Beavis and Butthead. So, I mean, you know you've made it when that happens. Um, we get another pretty ballad on here. Uh, just like on the pod, we had Oh My Dear. On this one, we have Sarah. Um, possibly my favorite song. But I, I do love Little Daisies quite a bit too. Um, but Sarah has nothing but electric guitar and vocals drenched in reverb. The vocals are absolutely gorgeous, and the lyrics are very simple and pretty basic, like love song type of lyrics, but the way they're sung gives them a lot of emotion, and I don't know, it's just a really beautiful song. Um, I saw Jeaner crying in his sleep. Um, I love that line and that title. Um, it's an amazing song, and my favorite super goofy track that's not on the debut, of course, um, and the last highlight for me is what I believe was like a live favorite in the set list for a long time. Um, I remember watching a lot of videos of Ween performing from like the late 90s, um, specifically some from when they came to where I live, which is Winston-Salem area, of course. Um, and yeah, they were always playing uh, this song, Don't Get Too Close to My Fantasy. It's just this epic rock tune that sounds like it was made for a band with like D&D &D type outfits to 
perform in like an arena, like they're the next Led Zeppelin or something. It just playing rips and rules, and I, I love it a lot. Um, but everything else, I'm either not super into, or it's okay, and it just doesn't really stick out in my brain. Um, I hope I can get more into this album with time, because I, I do love this band, and I want to appreciate this early stuff, but for now, I'm just going to go with another 3 out of 5 on this one, but I, I do enjoy it a little bit more than the pod um, from the year before. Then, number 8, we have God Ween Satan, The Oneness from 1990, and... This is definitely my favorite of these first three super lo-fi records. Um, and it's their very first album. Of course, they had a bunch of cassettes before this. Um, but we're talking about official studio albums here. And yeah, I, I think it's very appropriate that the first Ween album is this kind of bizarre lo-fi mishmash of many different genres, which is kind of their thing, and of course something that they would stick to for basically the rest of their career. Um, but this album has a whopping 29 songs. It's not the easiest listen, but there are no doubt some highlights on here, and just the charm of it being the very first official Ween album I think carries it a long way. Unlike The Pod and Pure Guava, I kind of have an easier time keeping my attention on this album, um, even if, of course, I don't love all 29 songs. Um, some highlights on the album include You Fucked Up, which is the first song, and straight out of the gate, it's like this raucous, insane punk rock tune that's exactly what you would expect a song called You Fucked Up by Ween to be. Um, then we have songs about... A Tick and a Bumblebee, properly titled according to the respective animal. Um, the first one being, of course, about a damn tick that uh, either Gene or Dean can't get rid of. And the second one always kills me. It's uh, literally just about being stung by a bumblebee. And there's a lot, a lot of really dramatic screaming and this like funny skit where like one of them is banging on the other one's door and asking them for help. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I guess the sting hurt quite a bit due to all the insane screaming. Don't laugh. I love you. Um, is a good one. It's a kind of fun bubblegum pop tune with sort of an eerie atmosphere due, due to like the kind of goofy high pitched vocals then we have some long-ass funky soul-type jams, like, first off, Nicole, um, which just has this, like, solid laid-back groove, and sounds like they were having a blast, and, uh, then we have LMLYP, which I'm just gonna let you figure out what that stands for, I'm not gonna tell you, um, it's not that hard, though, <laughs> um, it's very obviously uh, kind of a rip on like Prince and Funkadelic and Rick James and stuff like that. And it's absolutely hilarious. Um, but it's also just a jam and uh, sounds great. Um, even though you can tell they're just trying to 
be fucking silly as hell on it. Um, then we have sun-drenched rockers like Hippie Smell, which kind of sounds like a lost radio hit band from the 90s, but if you locked them in a room and gave them a shit ton of mushrooms or something. Then we have a brief foray into Spanish with El Camino, which is, of course, later to be revisited with Pollo Asado and Buenas Tardes Amigo. Uh, songs like Squelch the Weasel and Puffy Cloud, which sound like two guys getting baked and screwing around with guitars. Um, yeah, while this thing is way too long, um, I do think a lot of the core essentials to Ween are already here and somewhat full form, I would say. And I mean, you got to admit that that's impressive to just come out of the gate and already like know who exactly you are. Um, and that's one thing that I admire about them a lot. Um, most likely though, I don't think I will go back to this full record, but there are always going to be a select number of songs that I do return to. And I mean, like I said, it's basically the essential of the first three quote unquote Brown records, if you ask me. And I think I'm going to go with a 3.5 out of five for it. Um, cause it feels stronger than a three, but not quite a four for me. Um, of course that could change with time, but that's where I'm going to leave it for now. Um, and after three listens to it, I mean, that's just where it's at and I, I don't think it's going anywhere. And number seven, uh, we're getting into the really, really good stuff for me. Um, we've got... White Pepper from 2000. Um, and I think that uh, this is the most straightforward and easy to digest Ween album. It's definitely um, a pretty wild uh, difference from what I was just talking about. Of course, they had like three albums in between those albums in this one. Um, but yeah, um, there's some weirdness on here, but Definitely not enough to scare anyone away, um, like on the first three records. Um, there are a lot of Beatles-type moments. Um, I don't know why, that's just the first thing that pops into my brain whenever I hear this album. Like, the harmonies and the chord progressions and the songwriting. Like, it's so just classic Beatles. Um, like, 1965 and 1966 specifically. Um, it may not be a perfect record to me, but it's still really solid if you ask me. And I will say that it does have my favorite album cover of the bunch. I love that literal white pepper on the cover. Something about it just, I don't know, something about it just really appeals to me. I, like I would love to own it on vinyl someday. Um, because it's a really good album, but also just to look at that cover like blown all the way up. So getting into the songs, um, I really enjoy the sort of heavy drowned out guitar of, uh, exactly where I'm at. It's like a pop rock tune buried in this blanket of haze and feedback. Maybe the closest that the band gets to like a shoegaze sound. Uh, then we have Flutes of Chi, uh, which to me is like ear candy. It just sounds so sugary with these synths that just float along and the guitar is great. Um, 
the production just works really well in this song, and I like the drums a lot, too. A classic meme in the band's catalog is the track Bananas and Blow, which has this tropical feel with bongos and this kind of strange accent that's just barely there. Uh, I don't know if it's trying to be like a Jamaican accent or what exactly. Um, kind of comes and goes. Um, but yeah, the chorus is really addicting and I love the interplay between the vocals and the backup vocals, um, like the women singing behind. Uh, I think it's Jean singing. Um, this was the first song that I heard from White Pepper and uh, I think one of the first Ween songs I heard in general. Um, and it stuck out to me because... You know, I like that kind of Jimmy Buffett vibe, um, I'll admit, and it kind of seemed like they were playing on that, and of course I love Ween, so Ween doing like a Jimmy Buffett thing is going to work for me. Um, you could tell that they were dipping their toes in the water of also doing uh, Motorhead style with Stroker Ace, uh, only to return to it a little bit later, which we'll get into it when we get there. Um the band just sounds tight as hell here, though, and I wish they had more songs in this style, like just this really loud, fast, uh, raw energy. Um, I, I just really love it, and I'm not going to spoil the name of that uh, other track that I was alluding to. Um, Ice Castles has this kind of eerie, like, candy-like sound to it, and... I don't know, I always feel really enchanted by it, even though it's just a short instrumental. Pandy Fackler has this, like, intellectual jazz rock feel that, honestly, I think you could only really trace back to Steely Dan, um, and I think they do a pretty good job at capturing that sound. Uh, but the standout track from this album has got to be Stay Forever, which... It's a 60s, maybe like kind of early 70s style pop rock love song. The lyrics are really simple, but really sweet, and they do the job. I mean, if you heard this and didn't know who Ween was, you'd probably really like it and just assume the rest of their catalog was like this, and of course you would be wrong, but uh, that's what I enjoy about it. They're so good at just creating a genuine, pretty little catchy tune. The uh, electric guitar tone is so slick on here, and Gene's vocals plus the backup vocals just sound lovely, um, the harmonies and everything. I just really love this song. Definitely one of my favorite Ween songs of all time. Then uh, Falling Out uh, kind of sounds like a lost little bluesy rocker from, like I said, like the Beatles kind of 64 or 65 period that like sort of in between being like the poppy group and then like getting in more into like the experimental stuff just like right in the middle where they were like I don't know kind of like bluesy and like a little bit of rock and like also like a like a tinge of like the orchestral stuff it just feels like it belongs right in that sound and I love that sound so of course I love this song and just Ween trying to do that style in general the closer, She's Your Baby, is very pleasant and relaxing and just feels like a nice warm blanket. Not much else to say on it. It's just a really beautiful track and a, a great closer. Um, but yeah, this record is a four out of five for me right now. Um, 
it's grown on me a tiny bit since I heard it when I first got into the band, but I still don't know if I could put it among the classics. Um, it deserves more re-listens, though, and maybe I'll get it up there someday. Um, but yeah, four out of five is what I'm going to go for for this one at number seven. Number six, we have La Cucaracha from 2007. The final Ween record at this point, maybe forever, who knows? I mean, anything is possible, and I really like this album, actually. Um, I kind of like to describe it like if the music of Ween was a person, this would be the part where he's become like this kind of eccentric elder statesman type who still has his old goofy young ways but now he lives in this fancy mansion and throws these huge events where all of his rich old also eccentric friends attend um the first time I heard this album I actually wasn't super into it but upon listening to it like two or three more times it is a pretty solid release and I think it's a great note to end the band's studio output on. Um, I mean, if this is going to be their last album forever, um, I guess we'll see what happens with Shinola Volume 2. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy this one. Uh, getting into the songs, we have Fiesta, which is a fun, triumphant opener that pretty much sounds exactly like the title. And then we have Blue Balloon, which is... Uh, quirky little mellow indie rock song with sort of nasally vocals and a really cool chord progression. Um, for some reason, it kind of reminds me of what Modest Malice was doing around this time, especially with that weird sound effect that comes and goes. Um, I'm not even sure what that is. You would just have to listen to it to know. But yeah, Blue Balloon is an awesome song. The track Friends is kind of like a sister to the song Boys Club, which I'll talk about soon. Um, maybe not lyrically, but just with, um, excuse me, how bouncy and electronic it is. I love how the vocals are kind of over the top and goofy. Um, I don't know why it makes me think of like that old Six Flags commercial with that really old man dancing. I, I don't know why I associate it with that in my brain, but you know, that's just where we are. Um, for some reason, Object is probably my favorite track on the record, aside from the last track, which we'll get into. It's really dry, and the vocals sound really cold and detached. Um, I love, to, I love the sort of stripped-back instrumentation that's slightly orchestral, kind of like what I was talking about with White Pepper, but maybe a little bit different here. Um... It does kind of remind me of that Revolver era quite a bit. And of course, you're going to hear me say over and over that I love the guitar solo in this. I love so many of Ween's guitar solos. And this one is really short and sweet, but it's great. Um, I think it adds a lot to the song. And of course, they had to throw yet another kind of goofy country track on here with Learning to Love. Um, of course, that's a little more digital sounding than anything else that they did in the country genre, which we'll get into that soon enough. Um, 
But yeah, I love the over-the-top southern accents and, like, the vocal scatting in the chorus. It's so goofy, and it's just one of those songs that's so fun to listen to. Like, it, it just feels like the best time ever. Um, for some reason, With My Own Bare Hands has the feel of some kind of, like, Lenny Kravitz radio rock stuff, like, American Woman! Da-na-na-na-na. Um, and I don't know if they were going for that specifically, but it does kick ass and I love the grit and rawness of the vocals. It sounds very angry and passionate. Um, the line about the professor makes me actually laugh out loud, but I I won't spoil it for you. Just go listen to the song. Um, if it sounds interesting to you, um, I wish we got more of Ween making fun of pop punk, like with uh, Shame Maker, which is great and has those very recognizable nasally, like, what the fuck is this accent type of vocals. Um, like, you know, the Blink-182 voice, like, where are you? Um, Shame Maker. Um, I, I just love, I love, I love hearing Ween just kind of make fun of that voice because... I don't know, they just do it so well. Um, of course, the instruments are like more raw and lo-fi and unhinged than like any pop punk I know of from this time, but the attitude is definitely there, and like I said, they just, they kill it with those goofy-ass vocals. Um, then uh, Sweetheart in the Summer is a great track. It's Obviously, very summery and bright sounding with these beautiful, like, oohs as harmony and just these backup vocals from heaven. Um, the horns and guitar are great, too. It's another track that, you know, I keep mentioning that orchestral pop rock thing that the Beatles did. And I, I'm sure that they were really influenced by that. Um, but yeah, they just do such a good job with that sound. Um, I think this is one of their best tracks, and I think it's pretty underrated. Woman and Man, the 10-minute-long epic, kind of sounds like a cross between King Crimson with like that long, progressive vibe and that kind of electric guitar, which sounds really punchy, and then kind of the raw, wild nature of the best Led Zeppelin tunes. I love the line, Life is a fight, let's fight it together. Very simple, but very moving at the same time. And I love the outro with all the talking, which, of course, leads into my favorite track, Your Party, which is just fucking incredible. Um, if you ask me, it's an insanely high note for the band to go out on. Um, it really leans into, the, into that theme of like grand, rich elegance that I was talking about Um earlier on. I love the lyrics describing dancing to music and the table laid out with drinks, candy, spices, and tricolored pastas. That line always gets to me. Um, it's just full of positive energy. The line, we had the best time at your party, the wife and I thank you very much, just says it all. I, I love his kind of like, the wife and I thank you very much. I, I don't know, the way he sings it just adds so much to the track. Um, people always say, let things be what they were. And I don't know. I Like I said, I think this is a perfect song to end your studio album career with. And I mean, I know they've been touring again for a while now, but 
it's still the last like official song in their catalog up to this point and yeah I, I think it's absolutely perfect and I mean if they did come back with new music I of course would welcome it with open arms but I'm very happy with the career that they gave us especially from these this album up like just all classic wonderful albums that I would recommend to literally anyone um I'm going to go with a really strong four out of five for this one. Um, I could maybe like it even more with time if I can learn to love a few songs near the middle that I, of course, didn't mention. Um, yeah. La Cucaracha at number six. Uh, the final Ween album. Love it. Check it out. Um, especially if you've heard all their other stuff and you haven't gotten around to this one. It's great. Number five, we have Shinola Volume 1 from 2005. So, I can't remember at this point if uh, I mentioned this at the beginning or not, but this one almost doesn't count since it's just a compilation technically, but I'm going to throw it on here anyway because it still basically functions as an album especially since none of these tracks have ever been released anywhere else in, in an official manner. Um, these are all loose ends from between 1990 and 2005 when this was released. Um, the majority being from the 90s, I believe. Um, and I've heard even though these songs are old that they were redone for this album. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this thing is a pretty damn solid collection with honestly some of my favorite ween tracks ever. Um, and I've seen a lot of other people online really praise this album and say that it's underrated and doesn't get the shine it, that it truly deserves. Um, yeah, I I really enjoy it. Um, getting into some of the songs. Tastes Good on the Bun, um, which is straight out of that early lo-fi brown era of the first three records. And honestly, sounds like it would be right at home on the pod. Um which I think it was actually recorded for that album. Um, and even though I'm not a, like the biggest fan of that early sound, the song is still great to me. Like something about it just works. I don't know if because it's because they redid it or what exactly, but I, I really enjoy it. Boys Club, uh, which I mentioned earlier, um, is... Yeah, I mean, it, it's exactly what you would expect a song called Boys Club by Ween to be. It's uh, pretty bouncy and fun and hilarious. Um, I fucking love the song I Fell in Love Today. Apparently a track meant to be used for Quebec. It's just a slow rock song with not much going on. And all of these lyrics that kind of circle their way back to that simple line, I fell in love today. I, I think the song really utilizes the space that it has and uh takes advantage of that and just I don't know it's it's an amazing track Gabrielle is the best song that Thin Lizzy never wrote in my opinion um definitely in my top 10 ween tunes the chorus is so explosive and anthemic and the guitars are top notch definitely the most dad rock ween song and Without a doubt, my favorite track on this whole collection. Um, 
just really fucking love it. I was so excited when I found this song for the first time, and I couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't stop playing it, um, among a lot of their other songs, of course. Did You See Me is a long building psych rock jam that apparently was meant for the mollusk. Um, it's another song that I think has a lot of space and really makes the best out of it, making it a really emotional piece. Apparently it had people crying at their uh, reunion shows a few years back, so I think this is one that really resonates with a lot of people, uh, a lot of hardcore fans. How High Can You Fly is pretty much the best stoner anthem you could ask for from Ween. I mean, with all the weird vocal trickery and the instrumental that kind of sounds like it's melting, it's pretty much what you would expect, and hey... It's wonderful for that. I, I love it. I don't know if Ween was aware of Ariel Pink at this point, And, of course, I know they came out long before him. But Transitions is the closest they get to making a song that you could easily assume is an Ariel Pink tune. Just that blend of, like, psych rock and kind of reverb, chorus-heavy guitar and... Those sort of like aloof vocals. It's fantastic. And uh, it's not a song I hear a lot of people talking about, but I really love it. I'm a huge uh, Ariel Pink fan, so of course, hearing Ween doing something in that style, I'm going to really enjoy it. Then uh, <laughs> Monique the Freak, which is my other favorite aside from Gabrielle, is a straight up fucking jam. Um, of course, pulling from Prince's late 80s and like kind of early to mid 90s sound, uh, like that New Jack swing kind of thing. Um, and maybe some 80s shit like Cameo too. Um, it's just a funk jam about this girl that's such a freak that he quote thinks he's going to tweak. Um, the vocals are absolutely ridiculous and over the top. Um, oh, baby. Um, it's such a fun song and when I've been playing on repeat for the past month I it took me a while to like really appreciate the song I, I don't think I like paid much attention to it the first time I heard it but I, I really love it um definitely one of the songs you want to throw in like a party playlist it's gonna get anyone dancing and just feeling good and just like letting loose and laughing and having a good time um and of course this is the hundredth time you'll hear me say listen to that damn guitar solo it fucking rips uh, it kicks ass i love it um then closing out the album uh we get the beautiful song someday which i mean speaking of like proto these songs that are like proto different indie artists from like today's era this kind of sounds like mac demarco a while before mac demarco was a thing um it's just really pleasant vocally with lightly strummed electric guitar with maybe a little bit of that jazz feel that mac has in a lot of his material i love the weird goofy like kind of muppety backup vocals that come in just playing gorgeous and uh I love the line, Tuesday is pizza day. For some reason, I, I don't know. It just made me laugh. And uh, I love that guy with the deep voice repeating the words. Uh, when he's like, 
walking hand in hand like lovers. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy this record. And honestly, I could see it being a five star for me someday. Um, if I could get into a few songs um, that I didn't mention, but I'm still going to go with a very strong 4.5 out of 5 for this one. Um, I'm honestly shocked that a lot of these never made it onto an album up to this point because they're fucking fantastic. And uh, like I said, I've definitely seen people online um, hyping up this album, but you still don't really hear it talked about enough. And uh, if you're a Ween fan or you want to get into Ween, give this album a try. Um, I think it's great. And I think you'll find at least a few songs that you'll really enjoy. <sighs> oh, man. I'm going to get in so much trouble for this one. But just bear with me, okay? At number four, I've got The Mollusk from 1997. I know, I know. Shane, why the fuck isn't this at number one? Everyone is saying it, everyone is thinking it, and look, I love the ocean, and I'm very much a beach person, and I, I'm really not trying to be a contrarian because I still think this record is basically perfect. I'm not going to argue with someone saying it's their best. It's probably their most cohesive project. I can definitely say that. But I just, I don't know. I go back to the other ones above this more often. Um, and I, I really think it boils down to personal taste. But I'm not going to, I mean, I'm not going to argue with someone saying it's their best. Because I, I definitely get it. And I, I know that. Most Ween fans would say it's number one, and even the band themselves, I think, uh, believe it's the best thing they've ever done. So, I mean, I, I totally respect that, and I think it's a fucking incredible album. And, I mean, a Ween album that's number four on my album ranking is still a fucking incredible album that a lot of people couldn't make. So, yeah, just bear with me. Um... If you haven't heard of any other Ween album, you've probably at least heard of this one um, from the song Ocean Man, which is, of course, a legendary famous meme um, from the SpongeBob movie, of course. Um, and if you didn't already know, this album is pretty much the reason that the creator of SpongeBob came up with the concept of the show. Um, so I, I think... A lot of the Spongebob universe owes a lot to this record, and uh, when you listen to it, you can definitely tell like where Steven Hillenburg pulled inspiration from. Of course, we start off with I'm Dancing in the Show Tonight, which is just plain goofy fun. Um, it sounds like an intro to a Broadway show or something. Um, part of the pitched up singing sounds exactly like Spongebob, I'm not kidding, Um it's a perfect intro to the album, and I know that they've also used it as the first song in a lot of their set list, and I can totally see why. I mean, it feels like you're witnessing like the curtains open up to this bizarre little play. Then, of course, that transitions into the title track, The Mollusk, which is just fucking incredible psych-pop magic with this twinkling little flute thing. 
Um, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I love it. That like circulating acoustic guitar is wonderful too. And that little instrumental solo makes you feel like you're just floating above the sea in the sunshine going like a hundred miles an hour. Just, I don't know. It, it just feels like a crazy otherworldly experience and it, it's an amazing song. After that, we have Polka Dot Tail, uh, which is kind of an odd little psychedelic waltz um, asking you if you've ever seen a whale with a polka dot tail, quote unquote. Uh, just repeating that over and over. I love the part where um, someone goes, help me, and this like flanger heavy electric guitar solo kicks in. It's just so badass and cool and just strange. I, I don't know. I really love it. After that, we have what's basically like an electronic punk song with I'll Be Your Johnny on the Spot, which makes me headbang like a fucking maniac in the car. I love how claustrophobic and manic the drums sound and the I'm going down repeated part is so good. Uh, mutilated, yeah, mutilated Lips, uh, a favorite by a favorite of Kurt Viles. He, I think, said in an interview that this was his favorite song of all time and it's not my favorite ween song but i mean i get it because it does blow my mind every single time i hear it um hearing that strange delayed effect on the vocals and that guitar that sounds like it's being played underwater makes me kind of feel like how i imagine people felt hearing like sergeant peppers with all of the weird studio trickery for the first time I love that little bit of harmony that happens here and there, like the uh, take my hand, you ugly girl part. And then um, if you want the best audio representation of what a genuine pirate sea shanty was like in real time, then just check out the Blarney Stone. Um, someone who, uh, I'm not sure who it is, is putting on this like gravelly voice and singing this epic tune and you can hear all these other people clanking glasses and screaming along with him and just like kind of talking in the background you can imagine them like in a on some ship way out in the ocean and they're all like singing and like leaning on each other and like spilling liquor all over the fucking place and just having the time of their life um i would love to get shit faced with my roommates and just like sing along to this song like we were on that boat or something um then uh big mood change if you're ready to lay down on the floor and just be upset for a while you've got it's gonna be all right which is honestly the breakup song to end all breakup songs but this one's not bitter and cynical like something like baby bitch which i'll get into later on um this one's like a warm blanket, just, uh, I don't know, feeling kind of hopeless and sad and acknowledging that there's nothing you can do to save this relationship and acknowledging that you're both upset and that things are hard, um, but one day it won't hurt so bad. There aren't many ween tunes that I feel are as emotionally heavy as this track. Um, the instrumental is very understated and perfect for the track. Just uh, soft vocals and some drums that are just kind of barely there. And this like 
underwater sounding electric guitar that I keep mentioning. Um, it, it's just a, a phenomenal track. I, I think it honestly might be the best one on here aside from, of course, Ocean Man, which I'm about to talk about. Um, but yeah, I think the album loses me just slightly with uh, the Golden Eel, which I do like, but I'm just not as enamored with it as the rest of the album. I like that creepy deep vocal and that kind of angry chugging electric guitar that uh, comes and goes. Cold Blows the Wind is like a sort of distant cousin to uh, Buenos Tardes Amigo, which I keep saying I'll get into these tracks later. I will. Um, except this one is, I believe, about a man losing his wife and like constantly going to her grave and trying to come up with ways to bring her back. Um, it's got this really dreadful, creepy atmosphere, and you can kind of picture this story happening in like an eerie seaside town where uh, there are always these dark gray clouds kind of lingering over everything. Pink Eye on My Leg is uh, definitely in the running for uh, weirdest song titles, even for Ween. And the song itself is basically just an instrumental. Um, just some kind of groovy electric guitar, drums, and lots of insane things happening on like a keyboard or something. Um, as well as this dog that just won't stop barking throughout the track. There's one part where he just won't shut up. Um, but I do love it. An all-time classic, of course, from this album is Waving My Dick in the Wind. Uh, I mean... What do you expect a Ween song called Waving My Dick in the Wind to be? It's just a quick little number with uh, the energy of Johnny on the spot, but a better song, if you ask me. Um, the guitar is just... It's almost like punk rock, but it's almost like too funky and silly to be punk rock. I don't know. I, I it's, it's an amazing track that always puts a smile on my face. Uh, Buckingham Green, to me, is... Kind of like the epic rock ballad of the album. Throwing it back to something like Don't Get Too Close to My Fantasy. Um, except this one is even better and the guitar solo is just plain amazing. Then that part where the uh, strings come in. Kind of feels like you're watching like a sea battle in an old like pirate movie or something. It just feels so like grand and uh, cinematic and I, it, it's just awesome. Then, of course, we have that song, you know, the one, Ocean Man. Uh, the one that started it all for most people. Uh, a lot of people, this is the only Ween song that they know. And, I mean, it deserves its flowers. It's an amazing song. Um, honestly, anybody under a certain age in this generation with access to the internet and, like, meme culture has at least heard this song a few times. And, I mean... You've definitely heard it in the Spongebob movie if you grew up with that. Um, yeah, I, I just think it deserves every last bit of the incredible legacy that it's left. In just two minutes, it just comes and goes and delivers an incredible beach rocker with an incredible guitar solo. Maybe my favorite guitar solo in their entire catalog. Um, some kind of throwback, like 60s style drums, like... I don't know, think the Ronettes or the Crystals or something. And 
just those weirdo like deep shifted vocals uh it's it's just so fun to sing along to and i mean it deserves to be the most popular ween song and I, i'm glad that it is and i'll never stop loving it as long as i live then uh lastly what i believe is technically a bonus track but i think people love it so much that they just kind of consider it part of the album so i'm gonna mention it here it's uh she Wanted to Leave, which is a pretty straightforward sea shanty type rocker about uh, losing your pirate GF. I love the little reprieve of dancing in the show tonight at the end, just kind of tying everything back together. Um, yeah, and that's that's every song on the album pretty much. Um, while you may be upset with me for putting this anywhere but number one, especially at number four, let me tell you, I still think it's just a 5 out of 5 album. I mean, I, I still love it. I mean, there's a moment or two on here that I'm maybe not super into, but it's not enough to knock that half point off and bring it down to a 4.5. It's still a legendary, groundbreaking album, and I, I think it deserves any praise that you give it. And like I said... Earlier, I'm not going to give anybody shit for having this at number one. I do love it, and I do think it's a classic. Five out of five, The Mollusk at number four. Alrighty, number three, baby. We've got 12 Golden Country Greats from 1996. Now, you might think I'm a maniac for having this at number three above the fucking Mollusk, but... I don't care. This is the Wayne album from my birth year. I grew up with country music. I still love country music. Uh, I love the fact that they got actual session players from old school country records for this. And I fucking love Pedal Steel, as most people know. And I mean, the songs are just strong as hell. Um, it's genuinely one of my favorite country records. And Honestly, it would be my number one or two spot if I didn't love those records as much as I do. They're basically all almost tied. Um, and can we also talk about how funny it is that this album is called 12 Golden Country Greats and yet there's only 10 tracks on it? Like, I don't know why. Like, I don't think that that was on purpose. I think there were actually supposed to be two other songs on this record and for whatever reason they just didn't make it, but... I mean, it just adds to the album's legacy and adds to the story, adds to the humor, and I appreciate it for that. Um, getting into the songs, we have I'm Holding You, which honestly just scratches every itch that I have for a perfect slow country tune, perfect pedal steel, perfect piano, perfect fiddle, perfect soft drumming, perfect vocals, and with Ween, of course, you get a mix of genuine heartfelt lyrics and also hilarious lyrics and I mean this one is genuinely a really pretty love song but of course we also have the lyrics I'm tripping writhing and squealing puking looking for someone like you it just makes me smile and laugh every time um I just love this track as the opener it's like a perfect song for sitting at an old rundown country bar with your head down and you're like surrounded by fucking shot glasses and empty beer cans or some shit. 
The uh, next song, Japanese Cowboy, has these drums that just kick ass. Such a fun, upbeat song with killer instrumentation from the session musicians. I can't stop thinking about how good Russ Hicks is on the pedal steel and how good Buddy Spitcher is on the fiddle. Um, and all the other musicians kill it too, though. Um, of course, we have to talk about the legendary Piss Up a Rope. Um, maybe the funniest song in their entire catalog, if you ask me. It's a very angry breakup style country rocker that, uh, Dean states that he wrote for his wife as a joke. Um, I'm not going to get in depth with the lyrics on here, but just put it on if you get the chance and I promise you'll get a good chuckle or two out of it. The band sounds tight as hell and... I don't know, it's like the closest thing you'll get to that attitude of punk, but in like a retro country style. It's just, I, I love that track so much, and everybody that I've ever played that track for has also loved it and laughed their ass off. Like I said, I'm not going to spoil the lyrics for you, just listen. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about when you hear it. Sorry about the rain, um, hope the mic's not picking that up. If you don't dance with your sweetie baby by the uh, fireplace to I don't want to leave you on the farm after a long day working on the farm, then you're out of your damn mind. It's the most generic country song on this entire record, but I think that's part of the point. I mean, there's not much to the lyrics, um, but it just makes me so happy for whatever reason. Like, I just bob my head along every single time. Um... Buddy is back, absolutely ripping it apart on fiddle on the track Pretty Girl. I've heard other people say that uh, this is kind of a filler track, and while it may not be one of the strongest, it's still a toe-tapper, and I, I absolutely love it. Um, the banjo solo from either Buddy Blackman or Charlie McCoy, I'm not sure who, kicks ass. Um, I mean, I can keep saying it over and over, the session musicians just really knock it out of the park on this album. Um, and it, it's so weird to hear these people that played with, like, George Jones and Elvis Presley and, like, just all of these legendary acts just on this album with fucking Ween, of all people. Um, I know some of the musicians, like, that weren't on the album but, like, were supposed to be originally, like, left because they didn't like the nature of the lyrics... And I get it, because they're, they're older guys, and some of the stuff on this album is like a little, especially Piss Up a Rope is pretty vulgar, um, but I, I still love it, I don't care. I love Ween, I love them for making this album. Um, getting into the next song, Powder Blue, pretty straightforward track. I love that start and stop little electric guitar lick, just some kind of classic country vibes right there. The... Uh, part where he introduces all the band members is also such a cool nod to uh, how all the greats and uh, country music from the 60s and 70s used to do. And I love how the end is just, and then ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce Muhammad Ali, and then the song just stops. And I know originally that there was some sort of sample there that I guess they just couldn't clear, but it's honestly just as funny that it cuts off there. Honestly, I it might be even funnier. I've never heard the actual full track before. I know they, they got away with having it for a long time, but they had to eventually cut it down for uh, 
like vinyl releases and streaming services and stuff. Then uh, <laughs> Mr. Richard Smoker is practically a jazz tune um, on an album called Golden Country Greats. Um, but it does have like a little bit of a country feel to it. I guess you could say it's like a song with like a super old school swing vibe. Um, since it's kind of in the middle of jazz and country, the scatting part always makes me laugh. Um, you could tell they were just having the time of their lives making this album, and especially on songs like this. Um, my favorite on the record is by far Help Me Scrape the Mucus Off My Brain, which I actually didn't realize until doing research is basically taking the, uh, the melody from If We Make It Through December by Merle Haggard and kind of speeding it up a little bit. So, I mean, they took one of my all-time favorite tunes already and then turned it into another one of my all-time favorite tunes, which I just think is so cool. Um, it's one of the songs that's like kind of genuine and like heartfelt, but it's also like kind of silly at the same time. And I like how some of their music is just right down the middle of that. Um, I love the line, I think I'll spend the dog food money, but it'll love me just the same. The chords and the pedal steel are just fantastic on the song. You Were the Fool is more mellow and has some kind of pronounced plucking acoustic guitar. Something about the chords just sounds like magical to my ears. Um, it's one of those songs that just seems really easy and fun to play along to. Like pretty much everything else on this album. Just kind of perfect country campfire music. Then the finale, Fluffy. I love this damn song. Um, it really should be called On the Porch instead. I never thought I'd hear someone say On the Porch so many times in one song. I like how it has this just gorgeous instrumentation and then half the lyric, like the entire fucking song is just about sitting with your dog on the porch uh, with your wife and that's that's it. That's the whole song. Um, and just like I said, the amount of times that he says On the Porch... Um, yeah, I mean, for a song about, that's just a tribute to your dog, aka his furry buddy, he calls him, and just a tribute to, like, a simple life, um, I, I just absolutely love it, and it's like a perfect image of what I imagine me being, a, like, a super old man living in the country would be like one day, the, uh, like I said, the music is gorgeous. The uh, guitar and violin are gorgeous. And the way the vocals are executed makes the song sound way more emotional than you'd expect it to be from my description of the lyrics. Like, it just sounds so, like... It sounds like the grand finale to the album. It's so somber and sad. And it's literally just... Me and Fluffy on the porch. Um... Yeah, I'm I'm a hardcore defender of this record, if you can't tell, and I'm going to go with a strong-ass 5 out of 5, so put on your boots, sit on the porch, and throw this record on if you want to have a good old-fashioned experience with a funny-ass twist. Then, number two, we have Quebec from 2003. I 
fucking love this album. Plain and simple, man. I know people will give me shit for having it above the mollusk, just like uh, Golden Country Greats, but come on, man. It's so good, and I know that there are other hardcore fans of this one out there, but still, I, I feel like this album somehow... It's still underappreciated. Um, I think it's just amazing. I always have the best time listening to this album. I mean, it's definitely their darkest album emotionally, but it's Ween, so like even when they're expressing really negative emotions, you're still going to have a great time. Um, getting into the songs, I mean, good lord. It's gonna be a long night, the opener. Goes back to that motorhead sound that I mentioned a while earlier. And it's just one of the most badass songs that I've heard in my life. The guitar and drums just come pummeling through your speakers or headphones like a damn, I don't know, like a bulldozer through your house. If you don't feel like thrashing around when you hear this, I don't know what to tell you. It's just an insane opening tune. I I love it and if I had like a if I had my own band I would love to cover this song. I feel like it would be so much fun. And then I mean by this point in the episode you can guess that the genre changes completely and suddenly we get this weird little antidepressant psychedelic odyssey of Zoloft which Sounds like it would be in a commercial for the medication if, you know, those commercials had weird electronic indie music instead of, you know, whatever else they have. Like the, somebody just playing a ukulele, like a, like that kind of Kickstarter music or something. Um, but yeah, Zoloft is great. Um, you could say that it's the first straight up instance of, uh, like a mental health theme on this album, trying to force happiness by just shoveling down this medicine. It's kind of creepy and like, I don't know, I feel like it really plays on the creepiness of uh, trying to force happiness when you're just absolutely miserable. More on that later. And then we have, oh my gosh. A very special song. It's Transdermal Celebration. It is insanely hard to pick a favorite Ween song, but when someone asks me, Shane, what's your favorite Ween song? My brain usually goes to this. The electric guitar tone on this song, I don't know what it is, but it blows my mind every time. It has this super like sun-baked feeling to it um and I don't know the song is like a mid-tempo rocker but there's so much emotion in every single moment on it from the intro which kind of sounds like a Stone Temple Pilots song uh to the chords to the licks to that absolutely incredible guitar solo that almost makes me cry every time I hear it um something about it just gives me that euphoric feeling that summer would give me when I was a kid or a teenager. It's a very bittersweet. Um, I think the sort of deep vocals are phenomenal bleh, phenomenal on this track. Um, then the chorus or like whatever you'd call it. Uh, hey, 
and mouse to mark a. It's just, it's just beautiful. It's like a nice little lullaby, and it's so soothing. I, I just want to wrap up in the song and just live inside of it forever. I, I know that I sound like a crazy person trying to describe how much I love this song, but I don't know how else to express it. It's just a fucking incredible track. Please go listen to it right now. I love Ween. Love this song. Love, 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 love it. Love this album. Love this song. Going to the next song, we have kind of a late night campfire quiet acoustic number, uh, which is Among His Tribe, which I feel is a nice little come down after my emotions get super high from just the sheer beauty of the last song. It's got this crisp kind of one with nature feeling that honestly I can only think think to compare to the deep cut Will to Love by Neil Young uh, from his album American Stars and Bars. Great album, by the way. Um, But on that song, you can literally hear like a fire crackling in the recording. And I don't know, it's just so... You feel like you're there like listening to the song by a campfire or something. But yeah, anyway, I I also kind of love that creepy woman's vocals that come in later on the track I I think they add a lot of sort of creepy atmosphere like this whole album feels like there's something sinister bubbling underneath the whole time and I mean apparently uh, Gene Ween was uh, going through a divorce or something uh, during this album and having a lot of mental health struggles so that's probably where that comes from uh, so many people in the neighborhood, um, I think also loosely ties back into the mental health thing. Um, there aren't many lyrics to the song, but it sounds very robotic and sort of cartoonish, um, but like really just creepy at the same time. Uh, one of the lines is so many people in the neighborhood don't know if they're very good people, so... He obviously is having issues trusting people around him, and that paranoia is creeping in. Um, I think that anxiety is portrayed very well um, with the sometimes claustrophobic instrumental that this one has. Damn, it's raining really hard. Sorry about that. It's picking it up. Um, Then we have Tried and True, which is just classic ween goodness. There's really not a whole lot to say about it, but I think it might be the most famous song from the album, and for good reason. That little acoustic guitar lick that repeats over and over is bound to get stuck in your head. Um, This track almost sounds like it could be on the Mollusk, um, because it's got that sort of underwater, like, drugged-out feeling to it, as well as those, like, deep-pitched vocals that are all over the Mollusk. But, I mean, they're on this one, too, to be fair. Um, after that, we have Happy Colored Marbles, which is, I mean, it's a simple track, uh, as far as the meaning goes, and some people criticize it for being so bass level, but hey, I say fuck that. I think this track is incredible. It's really leaning into that mental health going down the drain narrative, and to me, it's maybe like the climax of that, um... I wouldn't say it's the climax of the album, but it's the climax of that theme specifically. And 
to me, it's a perfect representation of what trying to fake being happy while you're on the verge of having a mental breakdown sounds like, or just, I don't know, the negativity that's just bubbling underneath every person's psyche, especially in the time we're living in now. Um, everyone's so on edge and just trying to keep everything together. Um, and I feel like with time, this song just resonates more and more and more. I love the line, most people are not okay, but most of them just carry on. Or, hold on. Most people are not okay, but they're taking their siestas in the sun. Got some ideas in their head on the way it should be, but most of them just carry on. And then how the chorus is so candy-like and fake happy until the instrumental finally explodes. And there are these crashing cymbals and electronics, obviously representing losing your mind. And it wouldn't be a ween record if we didn't go from such a heavy and draining song to Hey There Fancy Pants. Um, this song makes me laugh my ass off every time I hear it. It's so stupid and goofy and I didn't realize until now it almost sounds like what would come to be with La Cucaracha, that kind of elegant having a fancy like gala kind of sound. Except this one's a little bit more cartoonish, but Still, I feel like that seed was maybe planted here a little bit, or I could just be reading into it too much. Um, then, of course, we're back to the depressing drawl of Captain, which is this spacey and atmospheric cut with nothing but the lyrics, Captain, turn around and take me home. Such simple lyrics, but they still cut like a knife, especially in the context of everything else. You just uh, want to get off this boat and feel better. Then uh, Chocolate Town is like a nice breath of fresh air. It just sounds delightful to my ears. It's uh, especially nice after such a downer song. Um, like I said in the Discover Weekly episode from last week, it easily sounds like it could be on 12 Golden Country Greats, but maybe a little bit more light and airy. And you can tell the session musicians aren't there, but it's still twangy and beautiful and its own way. I, I really enjoy it. I Don't Want It hurts me almost as much as, it, as uh, It's Gonna Be Alright from The Mollusk. Whatever Gene was going through when he wrote these tunes, I'm really sorry and I hope he's doing better all these years later. The uh, lyrics of this song cut deep and make me really sad. Uh, Please hold on to the memories before we crash and burn. We've gotten ourselves so wrapped up that we've forgotten how to learn. I understand it, but I don't want it. Uh, he understands why this relationship has to, end, has to end, but he doesn't want it at the same time. And that guitar solo just drives the point home, too. Hurts just a little bit. Um, after that, there's the fuck jam, which is my least favorite, of course, but it, it's still cool. It's just a creepy-ass, like start and stop instrumental that literally sounds like a fucked jam. Um, then there's another psychedelic odyssey, Alkin Road, which sounds like a spacier cousin to Among His Tribe from earlier. Think like the microphones with that late night eerie sound, but kind of add some electric guitars and make it a little shoegazy. Then the Argus is an epic slow building rock tune that I think the guys wrote about this weird, like, religious symbol that they saw in a factory. 
building that was titled Argus International, and they somehow related that uh, name to an old Greek mythical beast also named Argus, so I think they're asking this beast for forgiveness, and it's sort of weird and, like, ritualistic and creepy, and but also, like, kind of tongue-in-cheek, of course, because it's a ween. Um, but by the end of the song, you feel some kind of relief as the guitar solo comes in, and the music just suddenly feels a little bit lighter. Uh, the closer, If You Could Save Yourself, is a moody rock ballad reflecting on the end of a relationship and all of those contradicting feelings that come with it. Of course, like, you know, relief, anger, jealousy, fear, depression, etc. It's a pretty dark closer to an album with a lot of dark themes. Um, like I said earlier, I, b I believe this uh, was due to the divorce that was happening during the recording, but also I don't really like to get deep into musicians' social lives. Um, I know they express what they're going through in their music, but at the same time, you know, like, I feel like there is a certain boundary, and I don't want to cross that. Um, but yeah, I don't have to tell you this record is just a masterpiece. It's probably the Ween album I feel the most emotionally moved by, even if it's not my favorite, if that makes any sense. But yeah, it's it's a five out of five hell of an album super solid please go check it out um pretty much all of these like top five records are ones you definitely need to hear at some point we finally made it to the big one i had to take a big sip of water for this one we're at the number one spot You've probably already figured it out um, if you are aware of Wayne's albums. Um, but if you're not, uh, my number one spot is Chocolate and Cheese from 1994. This is the album that got me obsessed with Wayne for a really long time. It's their first polished studio record translating their wild ideas to a more professional contained environment and uh, kind of forcing them to like bring everything down to a shorter number of songs and uh, yeah just trying to use the studio as an instrument as well and I know that that was a new venture for them and I think the combination of like being in the studio for the first time and that early, like, wild, crazy energy that they had just produced an absolutely incredible album. Um, and I mean, I don't have a problem with that early lo-fi sound. I just, I don't know, I think the songs on this are more solid, like, regardless of the production. Um, but I do love the production on this. I, I think it's absolutely amazing. Um... I feel like I have to just mention literally every song on this album, um, like I did with, I think, both Quebec and Golden Country Greats and The Mollusks, because, I mean, when you're talking about albums this good, you don't want to leave anything out. Um, so getting into that, uh, the opening song is called Take Me Away, and it's a bluesy, dad-rockin' Jim Morrison pastiche, just turned up to 100, the guitar kicks fucking ass, and I love all of the thank you, thank you, um, 
thrown into the mix and it sounds like he's saying it to a crowd of two people clapping or something. It sounds like he's just performing this in some bar in the middle of nowhere. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is one of those Ween songs that would be the most fun to cover. Like it's just absolutely ridiculous. I feel like it kind of lives in the same world as uh, it's going to be a long night or something. Like it's just a killer rock tune. Um, if you want to get the creeps, just throw on spinal meningitis. Got me down. The weird pitch shifted, like quote unquote child voice in the verses asking, am I going to die? Makes me so uncomfortable, but also kind of makes me laugh because it's just so absurd. And the chorus is so much fun. It shows that they can make a catchy song about literally anything in the world. Like who else would make a song about this and it would be so catchy and have like the most danceable chorus ever. Um, then we have the incredible Freedom of 76, which is honestly in the running for my absolute favorite Ween track. I can't tell you how many times I've played it. It's just a feel-good summary track with a throwback kind of soul feel to it. It sounds like literally what it is, just a guy singing, a guy playing electric guitar, and a guy playing drums in a park on a beautiful day or something. Um, Gene's falsetto is from another world, especially in the second half where he just starts belting out. And I, I just love the chord progression on this track. It's one of my favorite things to play on guitar. And I remember when I first learned it, I just couldn't stop playing it for like a week or two straight. Um, it's one of my favorite chord progressions, period. Just a a plus track, absolutely perfect. Like I said, I think Gene just kills it with the vocals on here and uh, can't recommend it enough. It's probably like, it might be number two after Transdermal Celebration. I, I, I think it's really close, but I might prefer Transdermal Celebration just a tiny bit. But anyway, next song, I can't put my finger on it, is so gritty and dirty sounding. I love the rough the uh, rough vocal take that they used. It uh, just matches the rawness of the guitar perfectly. And I love that chill electric guitar line that comes in after every verse. I always say that A Tear for Eddie is Ween's guitar chops at its finest. Another song in the running for my favorite Ween track. Maybe the number two spot, actually. I don't know. Like, it's always changing. It's literally changing as I'm recording this episode. Just when I think about a certain song, I'm really fixated on it. I'm like, no, this is my favorite. And then I talk about another song and I'm like, no, this is my favorite. And I feel like that's a sign that I just really appreciate this band. But anyway, uh, the song A Tear for Eddie is a tribute to Eddie Hazel of Parliament and Funkadelic, who died not too long before this album was made and man what a moving tribute this song is it's just Dean shredding away it's so emotionally intense starting off with just a floating soulful piece and then it kind of builds until there's this wild guitar solo buried in fuzz and all these other effects I almost shed a tear myself every time I listen to it like it just takes me to outer space or some shit. I, I don't know. It just 
blows my fucking mind every single time. Like, I, I can't believe it's a real song. Um, just, just love it. Um, and I think this is one of the most prominent examples of the band showing that not only can they make you laugh, but they can also make you cry. And that's just part of why I love Ween so much. If you don't listen to anything else by this band, please listen to this song at least. Um, I know I keep saying this song is my favorite, this song is my favorite, this song is my favorite, but <sighs> to pick three songs by this band that I recommend you to check out right now, Transdermal Celebration, A Tear for Eddie, and Freedom of 76. I promise you'll love at least one of them, hopefully all of them, but at least one of them you'll enjoy. Um, yeah. Love Tear for Eddie. Incredible tune. The mood is lifted pretty quickly with the next track, Roses Are Free, which just bounces along and it's just so colorful and fun sounding. It kind of sounds like a precursor to uh, that kind of indie sort of electronic sound that would come later with bands like Starfucker, of Montreal, Passion Pit, etc. The guitar solo about halfway through just straight up rips. I remember playing the song on repeat nonstop last summer um, when I was at work. I, I think there was a point where I just played the song over and over for a solid hour. Um, just waiting for that guitar solo every time and losing my shit every time it finally came on. Um, I also love when the vocals come back in over top of the guitar solo. Just a perfect tune. One of my favorites for sure. Baby Bitch is just a straight-up brutal breakup tune, and I love it for that. It's uh, pretty hilarious, too, because it's like a mellow acoustic rocker you would probably hear on like an alternative radio station, except instead of lyrics you would expect, some of the lyrics are, uh, to quote, Fuck you, you stinking asshole, and to also quote, I'm better now, please fuck off. Um... I wouldn't want to be who this song's about. I don't know if it's actually about a real person or not. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Adding to the canon of Ween songs that make me actually laugh out loud is Mr. Would You Please Help My Pony, which I just can't explain why I find it so funny. It's literally just a song from the perspective of Gene and Dean asking a man to help their very sick pony. And... Whenever I hear it, I just picture them as like guitar, yeah, cartoon characters in like a Ren and Stimpy type world. Only Ween would take a song like this and give it some of the best guitar moments in their whole career. From the chord progression to that cool little guitar solo. I remember watching a video, I think it was on the Noisy YouTube channel of uh, Dean Ween talking about like the chords in the song and teaching them to somebody else. I think it was Matt Sweeney. I can't remember what his name was exactly now. But yeah, that was a really cool video and it made me appreciate the chords in the song a lot more. Um, then the first song I got obsessed with from this record was weirdly enough Drifter in the Dark, which is just a classic 40s or 50s style country tune. Right up my alley, I guess. So, it's probably why I was so into it. Um, 
it's nothing but the boys and an acoustic guitar, one singing and the other one doing sort of like a call and response vocal after every few words. Um, it's just so calming and delightful. I love when Ween does the country thing. They pull it off so well. You can tell that they're actually country fans and they're not just like making a cheap shot at the genre. Like they know what they're doing. Uh, of course, another vibe change because it's a Ween album. Uh, we've got Voodoo Lady, which I kind of remember my roommate David showing me a few years ago and I completely forgot about it until I got into this album and how could I forget it? It's just an infectious track with this sort of drowned out funky electric guitar and bongos. Um, of course, you can already guess since it's a Ween track, the solo is just plain awesome. Um, and the song contains such lyrics as, Your lips are hot and spicy, uh, serving up red beans and rice. Only in a Ween song could that exist, and... That's why I love them so fucking much. Um, my most streamed track on this whole thing is Joppa Road. Here we go again. I'm like, this is my favorite song. This is my favorite song. This is my favorite song. This is up there. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you want me to tell you. I, I just love this band. Um, and I I'm trying to stay calm and not freak out talking about this album. Um, but yeah, Joppa Road so addicting um like i said it, ween is just one of those bands every time i i think i know what my favorite song is it just changes constantly and i can't even think straight i, I just keep repeating the same shit every time i hear this tune i have to play it at least like five times it's like a tropical and summery sounding tune with Acoustic guitar, a light kind of circular drumming pattern, and a groovy little bass line. Basically just a vacation brochure of a song in the style of Kokomo, but what gets me on top of the song already being great is I'm pretty sure the catch is Joppa Road is literally just a busy road in fucking Baltimore, Maryland of all places, and like there's a mention of a Sonico gas station. I, I love that you hear this song and picture some highway or bridge that goes over an ocean in California or some shit. But no, it's just a fucking road that you could probably see anywhere inland. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to Joppa Road, but I looked it up online and was trying to look at pictures of it and kind of reading about the story behind the song. And it just... It just adds so much humor to the song and makes it somehow even better. Um, also, sh shout out to the part where someone just says, Baby, you look great today in the middle of the track. It makes me laugh so fucking hard. Um, Candy is probably my least favorite, but it's still a goofy little cool-off moment. Um, apparently, Dean put Gene in the trunk of his car. Um as he drove around a parking lot, and for whatever reason, they recorded that, so you can hear this muffled screaming throughout the track. Um, like I said, I, I don't know why they did that, but they're two goofy guys, especially back then, so I guess it doesn't surprise me. Buenas Tardes Amigo is 
I mean, if you could have an epic climax on an album that already has no clear concept or direction, um, then I, it would definitely be this one. Um, and I absolutely love it. Uh, Gene apparently learned some Spanish from, of all things, an episode of Sesame Street. And what did he use that Spanish for? Well, he used it for a slow-building rock song um, with lyrics from the perspective of a guy being outshined by his brother, getting jealous, killing him, framing it on another man, and then trying to hunt down that other man and kill him as well. Um, because, I mean, that's the spirit of Ween, just total absurdity and madness. Um, and... Uh, as the song goes on, you get these drums and electric guitar that kick in and things just progressively get more intense. And um, yeah, you almost forget that you're even listening to this album and you get really invested in the story. And that's one thing that I love about Ween. Not only are they amazing, talented musicians, they're also very talented actors. And I think they know how to get into a character for all kinds of different songs, um, and I think this is one of the best examples. If you want a killer live version of this song, go check out, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a live album from 2001 featuring the Shit Creek Boys, quote-unquote. Um, there's a really killer version on that, um, if you already know this song and just want to hear a really fun live version. After that, we have the HIV song, which, I mean, it's exactly what you would expect from a Ween song titled the HIV song. Um, some music that sounds like it's straight out of the circus, and then the music stops, and it's just the words AIDS and HIV before the music kicks back in. The juxtaposition of that last song and then this one is absolutely hilarious and wild. Um... Then we get some Beatles inspiration again on what Diener was talking about, uh, which is a very flowery 60s style track that kind of sounds like an early precursor to White Pepper. Um, I kind of can't believe these two songs are like six years apart um, because I think it would fit right at home on that record with their production and everything. And uh, yeah, that's just fine because... I'm a big White Pepper fan, and um, I don't think it deserves any hate or anything. Um, and I, I think the song is great, and I love that weird guitar effect towards the end. And then finally, there's the closer, Don't Shit Where You Eat, which I think just fits so nicely as an album closer. Um, even for an album that's literally just a mixed bag of different genres and no solid theme. It's like watching the sun go down uh, just at the end of everything. And it also feels like one of those, I mean, up to this point, kind of rare autobiographical moments for the band, um, reflecting on the friendship of Dean and Jean and reflecting on trying to separate your touring musician life from your personal life. Um, I mean, the, the title and main line of the song is literally, don't shit where you eat, my friend. Um, it's also such a fun song to play on acoustic guitar. I did a cover of it not long after I got into this album. 
Um, I'll have to dig that one up and post it sometime. And yeah, that's going to wrap up Chocolate and Cheese. No doubt in my mind, no questions asked. This is a five out of five album. And I know I said that Quebec was the one that moved me the most emotionally, but if this makes any sense, this is the one that I have the strongest emotional connection to overall. Um, with Quebec, I feel like there were a lot of different things going on, of course, because it's Ween, but there was still this like kind of dark emotional theme that was just lingering throughout, and I think that's why I said I was the most moved by that one overall. But, I mean, if we're just talking about an album full of incredible tracks that I'm always going to go back to, it's got to be Chocolate and Cheese. Um, I really think it's Ween at their absolute best. Like I said earlier, I mean, it's kind of the perfect balance of sort of that wild, raw energy that they started with and then being in a professional recording environment for the first time and I think the songs themselves are just so solid on their own. Um, and I mean, while I could take songs like Candy and HIV Song, I have no real problem with them being on the record. And I, I, I do chuckle when I hear them. And I kind of acknowledge that the point of this band is just having fun and experimenting and just uh, trying out different things. And I don't think these songs are meant to be any more than that. Um, and I mean, come on, some of my all-time favorite songs are on here. Like, of course, I already just raved over Freedom of 76, Tear for Eddie, Roses Are Free, Drifter in the Dark, uh, Joppa Road. And I could keep going on about how much I love this album, but you should just hear it for yourself. Um, and also check out anything else in the top five on my list if it sounded interesting to you. Um, I mean, like I've been saying throughout, they do so many different genres, so you could definitely find something that you enjoy. Um, and that's that's just the magic of Ween. That's why they're one of my all-time favorite bands. And yeah, um, someday I'll do some of my other all-time favorites like Built to Spill and Modest Mouse and Neil Young. Um, but for now, I mean, Ween is the band you're probably going to hear me go the most batshit over. Um, just because I was so obsessed with them for a while and still am. And um, yeah, just just love this band. I, I can't express in words how thankful I am for them. And also how thankful I am for the listeners of this show and all my friends and family and Hannah and just thank you for all the positive energy and supporting the show throughout. Um, next week, there's going to be another Discover Weekly episode. And after th the week after that, I'm going to do my February wrap up and talk about five albums. Spoiler alert, I absolutely love the new Black Country New Road album. Didn't even think I was going to enjoy it, but I really do. And it's made me sort of appreciate the first album a good bit, too. Kind of putting that into context. And uh, also probably going to talk about the new Big Thief album, because 
it's a 20 song album, but it does not drag on at all. There's so much to pull from on it, uh, all kinds of different elements going on. And yeah, I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to spoil the whole episode. And this episode has nothing to do with, uh, the February 2022 albums episode. So just going to leave it at that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Uh, thank you for all the love and peace out. Go put on some ween. Thanks.